How are you supposed to build your confidence if everyone seems to be chipping it away? As a high-achieving woman in leadership, it can be an uphill battle to be seen as someone with authority or on the same playing field as a man in a similar role. I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, and Barnes & Noble. I also have some fun news. Starting January 10th, I'm hosting a free book club for my book. It'll be broken down into four parts, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, burnout, and darkness. And yep, for four straight weeks, we'll meet once a week and go through the book together. You can grab the link in the show notes to sign up. With me today is Jillian Montgomery, co-owner of Skis and Bikes and Head Buyer. She's passionate about alpine and cross-country skiing and encouraging others to engage in sports during the winter season. She finds peace while sailing, eating good food, and planning trips. Jillian is also a mom to one cute little guy. On today's episode, Jill and I will be talking about stepping into a leadership role and discovering that you are worthy to be there. Here we go. Jillian, I am so excited to have you here today. First off, high school friends, so really excited to be able to support you with your next step and taking on a role as co-owner of Skis and Bikes. So thank you again for making time, especially during this busy season, to be here. Yeah, glad to be here. I'm just going to jump right into it. And for you stepping in and taking co-ownership over from your dad, I don't know about you, but when it comes to me and seeing certain role models in my life and trying to step into their shoes, I know for me, my inner voice at times can start to be quite mean because I then start to ask questions about, am I going to live up to people's expectations? Did you find or notice when that shift was happening for you that you were questioning yourself? I guess when I first started, I was very keen to learn. I was learning from everyone in the store And in the ski industry, it's a lot of men and a lot of men with a lot of confidence. And so I was just taking all of their every bit of information that they had to give me. And then as the years went on, my dad sort of like took a more of a backseat and started giving my brother and I more of an ownership position. As we gained experience, we were able to sort of step into more of that leadership role. But I think because I had come from a place of being more of a like subordinate to these men who were teaching me or my dad who was teaching me, I felt a little bit like carrying on that role that like, oh, I'm not the leader. I'm the female who is a little bit lesser than these confident males, even though I have two business degrees and I have. 10 plus, I don't know, 12 years experience working full time. And then my entire life before that working at the store. So I have, I should have that confidence to just be now a leader, but I think it's taken until this year to really step into that like pure leadership role and like be the boss. And I had like a lot of the imposter syndrome that you talk about over my shoulder feeling like, oh, I I don't know as much as these like men or the people in this industry, even though I have so many 
accolades and I have the experience that like justifies me being in charge. And then because it's like a a nepotism situation where I'm the daughter, I have the feeling of having to work a lot harder than others and not be like feeling like maybe I didn't earn the role, but like really I like among everyone who works there, I am the most qualified to be in this position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it's taken until exactly this year to come to that, this moment. That's so interesting. You said a lot of different points in regards to when it comes to women and stepping into leadership. And one that stands out for me is when we start to question all of our accolades and the multiple degrees (laughs) over (laughs) and the years of experience And so what would you say happened within this past year that gave you that shift? My, so my dad like completely retired, so no longer involved at all. And I gave myself the title of head buyer. So the purchasing for the store. So buying all the skis and snowboards and products for the stores lies under my domain. So I assign myself like a role of being a leader where before I was like I had like when you're a business owner you just you're the owner and you just do all the jobs and you just kind of step in wherever you have to and um, so I was just like people and bankers and people we interact with outside of the business would ask like okay what's your job and I'd be like oh I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and I was like I need like a focus so I became the head buyer. Then I had, then I knew exactly like who I was in charge with. And I grew like a small team of buyers below me. And I think having my dad step away, cause he did some of the buying jobs and having him step to the side, like gave me more of that power. And with the help, like my brother also is very good at like coaching me in leadership because it, it comes naturally to him. And giving me the space to like take on my own team and giving me some advice on how to like move forward with things like with the taking on this project on my own but this year so now I have like basically all of the buying under my umbrella one part of the buying that is now I'm doing along with a person from the sales floor is the hard goods buying which includes like the actual skis the actual bindings and ski boots this is like a big big portion of our of our inventory and it's very important to get the buy right because it it accounts for a lot of our sales in the winter and because I'm a woman already I've experienced some like comments from people in the industry like oh like you're doing it like are you comfortable Mm. with that and in meetings so the salesperson who is now going to be buying the products with me he's a male they automatically speak to him it's like I see, I have to fight to like gain that respect and I'm seeing it like I'm seeing the respect being gained when I'm prepared and confident and using language that is like friendly to mm-hmm. all the men in the industry. So I, I find that like in this industry especially it's kind of an upward battle for women to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. and I can see like my brother and I are exact equals and if it was my brother in the same position they would have no like 
questioning of his ability right. to do the, to purchase these products. But for me, it's like, oh, oh, you're going to do it. Oh, okay. Like that sort of comment. And so that's like, is affects like, obviously your confidence and mm-hmm. the inner gremlin. And, you know, it always is something that can bring down like your way forward and like being comfortable in a role. Yeah. It's so fascinating because I know that at times the individuals who say that might mean it as something that's completely benign. They don't realize that that questioning actually does have a huge impact, like not just a small impact that you're clarifying that who the buyer is at this point, but that has an impact on how I leave the room. And I remember even when I first started out as a dentist, there were so many times where I would get questioned, are you the doctor? Or when's the doctor coming in? And just that aspect, or even the comment of, oh, you look so young. And it's like, okay. And I would equate that to being, oh, they think that I don't know everything, or they think that I can't Mm -hmm. do this. And that inner voice, and the way that I then chose to speak to myself afterwards, I would then take that home and stew in it. So if you think back to one of those moments, or a combination of times that that has happened to you, what were you saying to yourself pre this year when you finally stepped into that confidence? So what was going through your mind during that time? Uh, I think it was, I am not as capable as like these male counterparts. Mm -hmm. It's those like daily microaggressions that I'm sure even like people of color experience on a more heightened level Mm -hmm. you almost hear something daily that chips away at that confidence and brings you down to a lower level than perhaps the person saying those comments we see it just in general with on like more of the business side if I would go to a conference or like a brand meeting with my dad, the comments would be like, oh, like everyone would speak to my dad. Like they would speak Mm -hmm. directly to him and usually ignore me or say like, oh, are you, the question was always like, are you the bookkeeper? Are you taking notes? Are you the assistant? Wow. And those are (laughs) great jobs, but like, I don't understand why that's the assumption when Mm -hmm. like I'm, my dad is just there he likes going on the trip or he likes going to the meeting when I'm the one making the decisions. Right. And the handshake with my dad is very firm with me. It's like, no one's looking me in the eye. It's like floppy hand. And I was uh, ranting to my brother about them all the other day. The way that the representatives for the brand speak about the female category Mm. is examples like okay you know when like a woman comes in looking for ski boots uh, it's usually her husband bringing her in and the husband hands over the credit card and says I'll be back in two hours you make sure my wife has warm feet by the end of it and it's like (laughs) that's how they're speaking about women yeah and I'm just like cringing like okay this woman has her own credit card like guys this is not a modern example of who a woman is yeah. and uh, they create like women specific products and they focus on like only color and make claims about like, Oh, a like woman designer made this, 
you know, I saw her skiing and she knows how to ski really well. And it's like always a, a novel comment about like, this woman can do this. Like, isn't that insane? Like it almost makes me feel like exposed as a woman that I am like very female among them and I'm different from them and they have the confidence and the answers and the knowledge of the industry and I'm on the outside. Mm. And the worst actually is uh, when I was pregnant, I felt, oh no, like (laughs) now I'm really a woman and they can all see it and I feel very vulnerable that, that I'm just very much like a vessel for like making a baby and now I have no like I'm very fragile and I can't like confidently like negotiate or yell at them when they're making well not yell at them but like say things assertively when like they've made errors or try to get something for the company when they've made a mistake like it's hard to to just be assertive and confident when it's like oh poor you you've got a big belly and like you must feel sick or something this just blows my mind like absolutely blows my mind because when like there are moments in time where I'm like yeah we've come so far in the 21st century and then you hear stories like this and you think how am I or how as a woman am I supposed to build up my internal confidence when it is being chipped away. Now, let's talk about the fact that I chip away my own confidence, especially as high achievers, where we at times are, oh, can I actually do that? Am I good at that? Like there's all those smaller ones that we may not even notice ourselves saying, but then when we get placed in those situations, it amplifies it that much more. I want to go back to your pregnancy there for a moment. So when you felt vulnerable during that time, what did you do for yourself to build yourself up? I think I just like worked as hard as everybody else. Um, That was like the, I'm like, I can't be someone who slows down because of this. I guess that's not really a very good or healthy answer. Like you should take care of your body when you're, and your feelings when you're pregnant. Um, But this was during like the lockdowns of 2020 and 2021 is while I was like the most pregnant and we had laid off a lot of our staff and we had basically we're relying on basically only online orders so doing like 15,000 steps a day fulfilling online orders and working hard to like make sure that the store stayed afloat because we weren't sure like where we were at but yeah not really I don't know if I really did anything specifically to take care of myself except like try to make sure that I kept up with like the rest of the crew and the men. So that probably wasn't like a very healthy reaction. You know what? And I feel like a lot of women will still do that though. Like during pregnancy, when you feel ill and it's one of those where again, feeling like we need to prove ourselves and that we can do those things. Meanwhile, we're more than capable at times to be able to do that. When you're standing in a room and it's all men that are there or individuals just in general who don't see you as that owner. Do you do anything in that moment for yourself or is your voice saying anything to you on, yeah, no, I definitely qualify to be here. So 
I'm going to do it. Like, is there, is there anything that comes up during those moments for you? Definitely. Like I'll, so this is more like a recent development for me. Mm-hmm. I'll prepare very well ahead of time. Just making sure like I know all the information 100%. And then while I'm in the meeting, I'm making sure I'm listening, but then I'm ensuring that I also get my points heard. And in the past, when say one of the reps would like uh, argue a point against what I've said or say something very salesman like, like, oh, well, we could do this and that and that, I'm now being more assertive in my responses and saying, like, actually, no, that's not correct. Or like, oh, that's a great idea. In the past, we had ideas like that, that we didn't act on. Can we make sure that going forward, we're actually doing something about it? Because like a salesperson will say a million different things to get you to buy Mm. a big order of products. But in the end, you want to hold them accountable to those things that they're saying. And I'll, oh, like, if I feel any sort of inner gremlin moment coming up where I'm like, oh, I'm like, should I be saying something like this? It's like always thinking of like those things, like my degrees and like I am more qualified than even this person in the room, these other people in the room. Mm-hmm. I have the experience, like always reminding myself of like my, of how I am justified to be here because mm-hmm. the like male industry and the nepotism, like really are the things that can like drag me backwards. But and I think that each meeting that I go into where I'm successful or I've been heard and I feel like respected, that adds to the confidence going forward. So I think I'm just like building and building on that confidence to like be even better in the future. Mm-hmm. That definitely the- supports with when we build our own internal validation that we're creating a little bit of external validation, those compliments and comments or whatever, or just recognizing different body language change or tone of voice with how other people choose to speak to us. I think that makes it makes a huge difference. That's an additive component. But that first and foremost is us actually believing first that way that we should be that we should be there. So you going through, I want to reiterate that to the listeners is that for you in particular, and this is something that I teach is around saving our success and leaning back on those facts. And so you remind yourself that you have the degrees, you have the experience, you've done it before, you know you've prepared, and that gives your inner voice the opportunity to create a different inner voice instead of your inner gremlin, which tears which tears you down. If you can think of a comment or a statement that your inner gremlin would say to you on a regular basis what would that be I guess like it's more of a feeling than (laughs) than a statement uh more of like a nervousness that comes up where and I guess like like you didn't earn this maybe that would be the one (laughs) yeah Yeah. that inner gremlin man yeah (laughs) yeah Not just the words, but how it activates that response in us as well. (laughs) I'm like, woo, shivers. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's exactly it. So what would you say then now? Do you still get a bit of that nervousness that comes up? Yeah, definitely. Moving past that initial nervousness, like finding my like voice 
and my like methods of negotiation Mm -hmm. and my methods of like coaching my team and how like just finding my leadership strategy and my leadership voice Mm -hmm. slowly but surely like takes away any of those feelings of nervousness because I see the results in like the team and I see the results in the sales and I see our margins growing. So mm-hmm. I see the successes and it sort of like shows me and the respect from the team as well. Mm-hmm. So it shows me that um, I have earned this and like, I know what I'm doing. Sort of yeah. Thing. I think when we talk about nervousness as well, there's a huge difference between the nervousness that comes from the inner gremlin that can really make us question whether or not we're capable or if we've earned it or just really putting us down versus the nervousness that comes from being challenged and something that we know we're confident in, but there's still that nerves that comes up. I mean, I've been lecturing now for six years and every once in a while, I still get that surge of nervousness that before I step on stage, but the whole aspect behind it isn't that I don't think that I don't deserve to be there anymore. It's just, that's kind of an indication to me that I care. And so when we talk about our inner voice and how it comes up and how it may question us still at times, as we grow, when the nervousness does come up, then we don't have to see it necessarily as something that's bad. So the shift that you've seen in the last year how did you notice that there was that change? Was there anything in particular? I know with the title that came, there was the more confidence. You're seeing a bit more respect. Was there anything for you inside of you that you noticed a shift? Uh, yeah, I think that with being a mom, it's like I don't have time for any BS or yeah. <laughs> for Straight up. Yeah. like incompetence. Or in this industry, there's a lot of people, brand representatives who are working towards like selling you their product and then they sell it to you and then they don't do any of more work to help you. Mm. And in the past, maybe I would pick up the pieces and like get it done myself or like spend the night like working away. And I think doing like more menial tasks, like takes me away from doing jobs that are like strategy based or focus on me and my leadership skills and like prepare me for meetings and for guiding my team. And so doing all of those like menial tasks that sort of like suck my energy and my time, Mm. I don't have time for that anymore. And I needed to delegate them. And I have like only eight hours in the day and I need to get it all done. And so when someone asks me to do something in the past, maybe I would be more of a people pleaser and be like, mm. oh, I could help or whatever. Now it's just like, nope. And you didn't schedule a meeting. I can't do it. Like you need to work within my schedule, do something ahead of time, be more prepared. Mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> that actually has changed my personality in a way because I can't deal with the uh, wasted time. Mm-hmm. You hit like key components around people <laughs> okay, pleasing. Oh, I love this because yeah. <laughs> it's it's those boundaries, right? And mm-hmm. if our inner voice is tearing us down, it doesn't allow us to set those boundaries because we feel like we need to keep 
proving ourselves time and time again. And that can show up through people pleasing. And so those boundaries that you've just given yourself permission and given every other high achiever who's listening in right now to be able to set that for them is in order to be that leader that you want to be, you have to give yourself those boundaries because you have to use your strengths where they're necessary instead of being pulled away and not then being able to grow in that aspect. You're an athlete as well. So being a business owner, knowing the business side as well, you've skied for as long as that I've known you as well. And when you're talking to another woman who is up and coming or feels the way that old Jill felt, what would you want to say to them, both from the athlete stand, because we see it among women athletes as well, as well as from a business owner perspective too. And someone who has that double aspect of stepping into a family business and stepping into a business where it's still very male dominated. What advice would you give to that woman? I would say, find some books that are <laughs> are written by women. Yeah. Um, one of my friends recently said like, she's only going to read books by like women or BIPOC individuals mm-hmm. just to broaden the horizons and give everyone like a chance at their voice. So I would say, yeah, read some books, find a female mentor, mentor in the industry who you look up to, who can guide your leadership style, because it doesn't have to be the way that the male in the room is, is doing it. Like there is a way to find your own style that aligns with your personality. Like you don't have to be the like hardwired, assertive, aggressive male. You can be your yourself and you, your team will respect that and rally around who you are. And I think people now respect authenticity and finding the confidence within who you are and not trying to adapt to whatever the the culture is around you. Mm -hmm. If another woman out there has or is saying something very similar to what your inner gremlin was saying to you, how would you tell her to reframe it? It's hard because it like, it took me like 10 years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, but that's okay. Yeah. But that, but <laughs> because we're speaking truth yeah. here. Everyone automatically assumes that once we've started to reframe it, that, oh, okay, I should all of a sudden feel that confidence. So what you just described right there is it's not going to happen overnight, nor should it. Because with the way that we've chosen to speak to ourselves for so long, we have to create those new neural networks. That's neuroplasticity at its finest. And so it takes time to be able to build that inner voice. So for someone who is just starting out, so let's say that they're in their deepest, darkest hole and they just want that kind of seed of light to be able to say, okay, I can start to change. What would that reframe look like to them from you? You got this, like you're, you're good enough. I think things that helped me as a younger person were doing things outside of work that gave me the confidence that I felt like in university and high school, like I was a very confident person. And I think when I 
got into like the family business that dropped a little because I had that inner gremlin voice. But the things that like would build me up over time were doing like sports, like you were talking about, like running a half marathon and going on like a super awesome ski trip and like really nailing some sweet ski adventures, going on a women only ski backcountry ski trip, doing things that really like sparked my joy and like built me up and made me feel like, damn, I'm awesome. Those sorts of things. And then, (laughs) and then, uh, so like be outside of work, if the work is really like the work environment is making someone feel lesser than the, like doing something that you, you love and you can crush then. And it could be anything like if you're a crafting person or a baking person, like you make like this beautiful cake that just notches you up again. And I guess pushes that gremlin voice down and can draw that confidence upwards. Oh, I love that. (laughs) It's because even within business the day-to-day what we do for work even if that takes a toll on our confidence that's not all of who we are and I think that that's where um, we can confuse that or especially when it comes with titles in particular but I appreciate when you said yeah I'm awesome (laughs) (laughs) like that that is that inner cheerleader voice that we definitely need to be hearing Mm -hmm. from time to time Jill, this is this has been absolutely wonderful. So I know we're into the Christmas season right now as well. And so all of your information will be in the show notes for people to check out Skis and Bikes. Is there anything that you want to share around Skis and Bikes around the Christmas season at all? Uh, no, but if someone's looking for skis or bikes or snowboards or all the clothing around that, then visit our website for sure. Like not going to say no to someone who wants to check us out. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. This is going to help another woman. So thank you so much. That's awesome. Appreciate it. Jill really found confidence in herself and her abilities, which we all know takes time and patience. Okay, maybe some of us need reminders from time to time too, me included. But as you leave your people-pleasing tendencies behind and refuse to make time for the BS by replacing that with confidence in your skills and abilities, you truly get to show that you are a great leader. Here are the key takeaways from today. One, pay attention to the change in your confidence as you move into your leadership style. In my honest opinion, it's likely going to piss someone off, especially if you've been someone who is people-pleased for some time. And you know what? That's okay. That's what growth is. You will never be able to make everyone happy all the time. However, you do get to choose how you grow into your confidence and leadership. Number two, set healthy boundaries to allow your strengths to shine. This goes hand in hand with key takeaway number one. If you people pleased, then you didn't have adequate boundaries set up initially. That's okay too. You get to establish them and then reassess to figure out if they are working or not. Here's a quick tutorial on how to set up a boundary. First, you need to figure out what boundary you want to implement. Then you have to decide how you are going to communicate that to the people around you. Be mindful of the words you choose. Be clear and concise, yet kind. You don't need to be an ass when implementing that boundary. Then you get to see who pushes back and you also get to assess how you hold it in place. 
After the boundary has been in place for a bit, say a month or two months, you get to reassess if it is working. If it is, great, keep at it. If it isn't, why isn't it working and how can you adjust accordingly? Setting boundaries really can be that simple with friends, family, and yes, at work as a team player and as a leader. Implementing boundaries builds confidence. Every episode will have a reflection question and this is yours for today. What boundary will you implement to help allow your strengths to shine and allow you to build your confidence? When you have found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjessicametcalfe.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. And when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.